<clears throat> Greetings to all of the listeners. So very excited for today. It's been a long time. Been a long time, but we're here today to discuss some amazing topics, some very heartfelt concerns. And I'm super honored and privileged to introduce my amazing co-host today. He goes by uh, Bree Mac, Bree Macintosh, Bree Macaroni, <laughs> uh, Bree Love You Long Time, other words known as Bree. Let's give it up for Bree. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having clapping. me. <laughs> I'm clapping. I'm clapping. All right. Um, so first and foremost, oh, man, I, I want to have a moment of silence for... Uh, for the king and the queen that we most recently lost to police brutality um, and the many other lives that have been lost and abducted um, and just harmed in all of the past 400 years of our experiences, especially recently. So just a moment. Now, it is uh, Tuesday, and what has, Brie, what has your Tuesday been like <laughs> in, the, in America today? Um, my Tuesday has just been a normal Tuesday back before this coronavirus stuff hit. I mean, I'm back to work for the second day. Um, all is well in that, that sphere, but then I come home and am reminded of the turbulence in this country. Um, there was a special on Oprah, Oprah Winfrey Network today, and that just... I love OWN. Yes. The commercials are... It's Black people for and by Black people, which is amazing. Um, Indeed. And, yeah, I got to sit down and watch that special on police brutality with my non-Black family, so that was something that I found to be really important during all of this. Um, non-black family yeah whoa yeah my mom's white and my my little brother is indian and white so hmm okay we'll definitely get into that but for sure we'll we'll have to get into that oh yeah we will you know you know um well i mean just congratulations for being here another great day to be alive um and to all of our brothers and sisters who are uh, transitioning or who have transitioned due to the violence and due to the the nonsense of the world, the chaos, the evil. I say rest in paradise. And what I think of often to keep myself level-headed, I'll say, actually, I love to tell people this, but I actually think about the idea of like a butterfly or a bird or a song that reminds me of someone like I genuinely believe that since energy cannot be destroyed, I believe it only transforms. So I love the idea. It could be something that I've been, I've been doing like since I was like a child, but I like to imagine that I'm, there are people with me. There's energy with me that is for my protection and for my good. And that can sound a bit superstitious but i mean they kind of say the same thing in church like 
Mm-hmm. You know, Christ is always with me. Christ walks with me, or I walk with Christ. And being a being a young black man during these days, it's like, yo, <laughs> I, I can't I even, imagine what you're dealing with. I'm, I'm not even gonna get heavy. I'm gonna just say I'm so very thankful to not only have amazing women like yourself that exist, <laughs> but God knows my faith in God. Like literally my faith in the divine orchestrator, that that nature and energy and karma is exactly how it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and breaking, for me, in my, person, my own personal journey, breaking free from controlling outcomes. Because trying to control an outcome or trying to create this box of how life is going to be when there are people with batons and tasers who will destroy that box in an instant. I'm, I'm glad I don't live that hell of trying to create a false reality or any of those things that it, sadly a lot of us do because it's like how else are we going to keep our mind together if we don't make believe. Right. Sometimes that's kind of what it feels like. It's like, damn, for a moment, can I just not believe this shit is real? You know? Yes, and, and just the... I feel like people of our age are definitely going through a spiritual awakening um, and we can, you know, manifest and we can speak things into the universe as much as we want, but... <clears throat> There are, there's a huge realm of things that we can't, we have no control over. For example, the police brutality um, that we're experiencing mm. right now, you know, as black men and, and women, we, we want that to not happen, but there's almost nothing we can Absolutely. do but fight and resist. Um, so that's, Absolutely. There's, a, there's only so much we can do, you know. So I completely agree with, with that sentiment. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, June 9th. Um, so I actually wanted to address some questions. I was looking through social media platforms, particularly the one that I use the most, which is Twitter. Now, before it was Instagram, before I could like scroll and go down a deep rabbit hole, like a deep, deep, deep rabbit hole of vegan food i could just do it all day in 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 puppy in in puppy videos i don't know why but i could watch cute little dogs and people make food all day but i've recently been on twitter because let's just be honest black twitter is like three business days ahead of instagram for some reason (laughs) i don't know why but it is that's just it is what it is right it is totally um So I came up with a few questions that I think that we could debate about, we can exchange perspectives on. And I mean, ultimately my intentions with creating this right now is for everyone listening to the sounds of our voice, know that they're not alone and to be felt Mm. and in some way, fashion or form, be a part of the conversation that expands and shines light on the very dark things that are happening that we internalize and that is also external. 
And with that being said, um, I want to lead into the first question, which could either catch you off guard or you're going to laugh. It's one or the other. So my first question for you is, when did you realize you were black? <laughs> you were Afro something. You were, I like, I like Afro over black because I don't, I don't like the idea of thinking that word blackness like darkness you know evil but when when did you realize so this, that you were mm. not them so this is actually a really really interesting and personal question that i feel i haven't been asked enough um for listeners mm. i'm a biracial woman so i inherited a lot of white privilege by being light-skinned but of course this isn't about that um i went to a predominantly white school so I knew I was different always you know I had I was considered myself tan I didn't really know have a notion of blackness in elementary school I had curly curly long curly hair and I was different yeah I was in a huge I was huge I was five six in like fifth grade but um (laughs) um free mac I know big mac so this notion of, of my blackness didn't really come to me until I would say um, this is a horrible story, actually. In seventh grade, I was really coming mm-hmm. to terms with my myself. I, okay, I, I'll tell it. Um, in my awkward, gangly, you know, middle school body, I um, was trying to fit in. And this, this boy that I thought was so cute, I was at my locker getting ready, you know, in the hustle and bustle of middle school. You have your locker. And sure. this boy comes up behind me and drags his hands scrapes his hands I can't even say drags through my hair my curly curly hair and says are you black to me and you know I'm thinking am I black because I grew up with a white mom and my dad wasn't wasn't around my goodness yeah so I didn't even have like I said a notion of my blackness that wasn't something that I had any awareness yeah absolutely um so seventh grade how did that how did how did you process that uh, like at the, at that time, you know, even beyond race, did you have like that the, the thoughts in your mind of like, you know, those questions of like what's going on? What are you talking about? Oh yeah. How did you even how did you even process that at such a young age? I think um, the biggest thing the biggest thing for me was that I didn't process it. I had no conscious awareness of what any of that meant, just because I had no experience. Um, you know, mm. with blackness in general. So mm. it just was internalized, like many other things in my life um, that I just wasn't sure how to cope with. I, I felt like an outcast, of course, but I would really say that I didn't I didn't deal with it until much later, until my early 20s, I would say, when I began to process and unpack these things that had happened to me in this predominantly yeah. white area. Yeah. Um. What about you? What did when did Damn, did you begin? Seventh grade. Yeah. Um. No, just to just to actually really acknowledge what you're saying, okay. black woman. Like I'm I'm going to first address you as as a black woman, and it's not because of your physical appearance or your skin tone. Mm-hmm. It's because they're. Um, there is a recessive gene and there's a dominant one. 
and the one that has always been dominant and that will never change unless scientists manipulate what God has created. Um, what's dominant in you is the goddess in you. What's dominant in you is the melanin, the rich, rich, rich melanin. And I actually can't wait to share it with you. We're going to watch an extraordinary video from a professor who I, he's hilarious. He's like the uncle at the cookout. Um, <laughs> his name is his name is Dr. Africa. And he took some time to explain what melanin was and how your skin tone alone doesn't that that does not dictate the volume and concentration of melanin that you have in your brain. Now, the melanin content we have in our brain is what really matters. That's what differentiates you from being uh, a caveman and an African descendant. Mm. Two very different things. Right. You know, it's like you either are dominant Neanderthal or you're dominant human, which are two different things. So I, I address the God in you before I address the anything else mostly as well as because you're a woman mm. so i just want to pay amazing huge respects to the fact that you are an extraordinary black woman that faces conditions and things in your reality since seventh grade yeah that me when i was in seventh grade like i'll tell you man i was boy <laughs> like seventh grade was something for me because that was the first time in my life two things I met a girl that I thought was attractive that was actually shorter than me. <laughs> Boom. Secondly, secondly, realizing in the community that I was in in second, seventh grade, um, I learned a lot about ego, power positions. And you're in that point at middle school before high school where you're like starting to see what really moves the majority. You know, mm -hmm. in elementary school, we're not necessarily paying attention to that. Towards middle school, we're starting to assess it. So to answer your question about when I figured it out, shout out to my parents. Shout out to my grandparents also, because when I was a little boy, that was it became very aware to me. Like, I realized um, I'm pretty sure I probably heard my mom or maybe my probably my mom my dad didn't talk crazy like that he wasn't he, he didn't talk crazy but my mom probably said you know bring your black ass over here a few times or something like that you know what i mean <laughs> yeah something 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 along those lines like you know my grandmother i'll tell you that she used to crack jokes about me because she was actually very fair-skinned she looks like a she looks like in the wife of the indian chief like she's her her cheekbones are massive, beautiful long hair. Like yo, like okay, Granny <laughs> used to be a bad bitch. Okay, <laughs> no, but uh, honestly, she used to tell me when I was a little boy um, about my image and about my looks, and it didn't necessarily connect until later in life. Obviously, like when you when I was like eleven and twelve. No, I was like eleven. And I remember there was this white girl I was talking to and I was going to her house and hanging out. And this is when my granny found out. Uh, she she beat my ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did. She gave it to me. And um, I didn't really understand why at the time. 
I didn't understand why in terms of I didn't know what the consequences looked like. I just understood that it was a no-no. That it was something that was frowned upon. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I give it up to like an experience like that. You know, even before 11, I think. Before 11? Yeah, before 11. I remember being in communities and suburbs and my grandmother speaking to me about you know these white people da 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 and like she had her own processes of her reality mind you this is my grandmother so there's things that she's endured and seen she was also an activist too so there's a certain fire that I believe I inherited from from her because she would explain to me that is really not fucking sweet out here. It's really not. So the issue for me was sometimes she would tell me the, the truth and would leave it up to me to get the whole truth. But when you're a kid, you don't give a fuck about that. When you're like, I'm trying to go outside and play video games with my friends. So later down, later down the line in life, like, teenage years is when okay now now I'm a young black man and I'm actually seeing what's happening to my people because let's be real let's be very real I myself was included in the people who who thought in my mind literally like I had no value or worth before slavery wow that's just on some real shit, on some very, very yeah, real shit. I feel that. There was a, like, there was no historical context to anything great, beneficial to society, or manifested by the kingdoms of my people that look like me. They didn't exist. Fuck, we can learn about Mesopotamia, but we're not learning that Mesopotamians are black. Whenever we're in class and we're watching a history segment about what it looked like in Russia at a certain time or what it looked like in Rome, everyone's pasty and white. Egypt, when we look yeah. like when we when we look at Egypt, everyone's a pale face. And I very dearly respect and am very grateful for all of my white friends. There's not a lot of you, but you exist. Mm. You're rare and you're listening. I want you to know that you guys are unicorns. And I'm very grateful for everyone who stood in front of me to keep a bullet going through my head because you were white. Thank you. For every single one of you that's out here today, thank you so much. Thank you for so many reasons that I can't even explain right now. You know, we don't want any of you to feel as though you have to be our savior because we can and will do for ourselves. That's right. That's what I believe. But I'm very grateful, very grateful for people who have good intentions. You know, and that's something that, that's something I don't think that my grandmother really ever did because some of the things that she saw are on a totally different level than what I see. There's certain things that she probably had to keep her mouth shut about. If she didn't keep her mouth shut about, the well-being of her family has, has been um, threatened, you know? Yeah. And that's that's deep. Um so just like teenage years, once once you really start to open your eyes and you get rebellious, and it's like, okay, 
you think it's hell in this house? Look outside. And then I looked outside and I was like, oh, shit. This is America. I think I'm going to be a spoiled brat a little bit longer. Oh, my God. A little bit. (laughs) You feel me? But, um, man, yeah, that's just what that was. And Okay, so this is the one that gets me the most. I, I, I can talk about this all the time. Um, how do you connect with the concept of black love, of, of Afro love, Afrocentric love? Like, what does that mean to you? What does it look like? Um, there aren't many images of it as obviously the, the far grander majority of, um, Eurocentric images of what love looks like we could see. There aren't too many of our images that we can look at that aren't obviously weaponized, you know, like our, some of our music or some of our TV shows like Empire and stuff like a lot of those relationships are super, super toxic. So outside of that, what does black love look like to you? I think, um, I don't think that the, my concept of black love can be acknowledged without first acknowledging just um, the fact that I had no concept of black love to begin with. You know, my parent, my mom was white and my dad, I mean, my mom is white and my mm-hmm. dad's black. So mm-hmm. I think back mm-hmm. to being a child in the early 2000s and that notion of being an interracial couple was um, stigmatized in itself. So just to think of how far like the media has come in terms of showing black love now you know, I'm an adult, I'm 25, and I'm just coming to, the, to terms with the fact that loving myself and in turn loving other p- black or brown, you know, people of color, specifically mm-hmm. black lives, um, is something that I've come to accept more recently, you know, I, but in terms of what does it look like to me, I think it's mm-hmm. a level of understanding somebody who just gets you in the world full of people who are dedicated to misunderstanding you. And that is some, that's something that you cannot replace. You know, I've dated non-black people of color. I've dated white people Mm -hmm. and there's just, it's so, (laughs) you have, yeah. Oh my gosh. So you know how exhausting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, exhausting to be, to be honest. Yo, for real. Not to be. To be honest. I, you know, and I don't want to be like, oh, I will only date a black or I will only date black men or women because. I'm that way. I now. am definitely that way now. One hundred percent. Now I'm not gonna fucking bullshit. I am that way I completely. I am going to fully accept the fact that I've gone the. <laughs> One of my friends tried to get on me because I, I recently the conversation came up about me dating a white girl. And she was like, oh, did you enjoy those chicken cutlets? I was like, yo, shut the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> that is disrespectful. <laughs> but it was a great experience. And I definitely learned something I didn't know before. I learned what unconditional love looked yes. like. I was able to, in that, in that moment, I was able, over that time frame, process how disconnected from pure love I really was and actually heal the wounds, most importantly, ancestrally, 
there was some ancestral healing that happened when me and her got together on both sides. There was a lot of tears and crying and pain when she would find out things about me and my people. And even on my end too, I mean, I cried like once, but anyway, <laughs> like, absolutely. I definitely, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that back for anything. You know, I was able to separate loving through ego and fulfilling myself and loving through spirit and being guided to literally heal and assist and love period mm. you know yeah. what I mean? and that hurt like a that hurt like a bitch it really hurt when i would walk down the street holding her hand and i'll never forget this memory an older black woman was walking towards us and she gave me the look that i would give black dudes dating white girls <laughs> Well, Ouch. and you knew that look. You knew what she meant. She didn't even have to say anything. Oh, That's the thing. Oh, God, it hurt. It hurt. It hurt because you knew already. Yeah. Yeah. And. But, you know. It's just. I don't know. It's not worth. You need to have a safe space in a relationship. And black love is that. And I know that I can, I'm supposed to feel safe and comforted and understood by my partner. And if they haven't at least experienced mm-hmm. it firsthand, how can they ever give me that, that love that I need, that protection? Mm. How could they, I don't, I couldn't, it doesn't make any sense to me, you know, just to seek that anywhere else, but with somebody who gets it or gets it more than I do, you know, because I am a light skinned woman. There are things that I'll never understand that a dark skinned man or woman will endure or non-binary black people there's just some things that i'll never get and i want I to i don't know if that's i don't know if that's fair to say i don't know if it's fair to say that you won't be able to understand someone else because that's definitely a thing that some people say mm-hmm. almost to insist the idea that my ignorance to the extent of your pain or suffering i could never know and i don't necessarily think that's the case i think there's definitely levels to this shit, 100%. Yeah. But, like, it, it's it's weird. It's kind of like, okay, let's say we're all, we're all in the same boat. Talking about Afro folks. We're all in the same boat, and the people at the front are like, you don't have to endure what I have to endure. We're like, And someone in the back, me, is like, we're on the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like to some degree i think that we're we're actually the idea that we aren't connected in our experiences i think could be a bit more divisive right. than in us insisting the idea of yes we can understand each other i see i do it's just an idea that i know i it's just an idea i completely I see what you mean to me the in me saying this i just don't want it to be misconstrued as i have been through this because like i said i do I'm protected by white privilege in a lot of ways. And I will always put my, I'll put myself on the front lines because I know this. Um, when I dated the first time I dated a, a darker skinned black man, there were things that just being in his presence and being around his family taught me that I'd never in my life would have known if I hadn't been around them. So that's what I mean when I say there are things that I could never understand without his experiences I get or without yep. being taught yep. or told because I have a lot of privilege and I am never going to deny that. So that's kind of what more of what I meant, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's genius. Um Okay. See, that could lead into so many things, but I can fully I can fully acknowledge without any type of doubt or regret. I can fully acknowledge that there are essential essential components to life such as communication, mm-hmm. such as in, interpreting love, such as relationships that I I definitely learned from all of the indie um eurocentric films that I've seen like I like super bad or Juno or Nick and Nora's infinite playlist um certain nostalgic movies for me that were completely led by a eurocentric cast but I was able to envelop myself with them and feel what they see and see what they feel. Yes, I said that exactly as I oh, meant yeah. it. Because as for us, particularly for us intuitive spiritual beings, when, when someone says, do you see what I mean? It's like, no, that's a real thing to actually see what someone means. Um, to have that mental picture where you create an image and you also respond to the feeling of those images, which goes back to the point. I think that we can ultimately understand each other to an extent by empathy which is putting ourselves in someone else's makeup and someone else's body but in order to step out of self ego um you have to be intentional on wanting to understand and love which leads me to this next question because i really want to get onto a very important aspect about identity but i believe that before you get into identity you have to talk about what creates an identity and a religious slash spiritual connection, I believe is so essential to us because if we don't have any type of connection to our existential value, like why we exist, why we're here, what we're doing, I think we, it would just be pure anarchy, like just war, chaos everywhere. Like if there wasn't something that was molding us or, I like to envision um I like to envision the idea of me being like a garden. I'm a tree inside of a garden and I need all of the flowers around me just like all the flowers or all the personality traits and things of my character you know need me in order for me to express myself authentically. So the idea for me is like I'm always curious and interested to understand other people's religious and or spiritual experiences because those are two very different mm-hmm. things but for thousands and thousands of years it has been the like the north star for all of us all cultures and creeds and connections of people communities has been tethered by the one thing and it's been either their concept of god or it is their spiritual works of becoming God. So for you in, in your years, do you have any experiences maybe going to church or ever ever trying yoga or meditation like you know you today are there anything or any things that you do um to connect with something religious or anything spiritual? Um in terms of religion in itself, I 
I don't personally connect with religion and organized religion. And that is, that's just because of how mm. I am as a person. I'm more solitary. I'm more, right. I'm really in my own head in the way of, I need my own time to reflect. And I'm not the kind of person that feels energized from going to church. I do love it in times where I want community. So like for major holidays, I'll go Absolutely. with my family just to feel that community. Mm. But I grew up in the church yeah. and I just don't necessarily think it's for me. me too. So if somebody sends me mm. like, for example, my aunt's religious and sends me a rosary or something that she wants me to do, I'll do that because that's a solid, I'm doing that by myself. But um, you mentioned yeah. meditation and yoga. I'm really into both of those things just because it's a practice of mind, mind Absolutely. and body and breathing and in soul. And it's something that, I get to work on and I get to monitor my progress without being shamed or without being measured by somebody else's standards. Mm. You know, I'm checking. Will yes. you take, will you, will you take three deep breaths? Yeah. With me? Yeah. All right. We're going to take three deep breaths. Whenever you're done, just check okay. it. One, two, three, full inhale through your nose. Out through your mouth. One more time. Full inhale through your nose. In your own pace. And full exhale out of your mouth. Last one. Full inhale. As you said, controlling the breathing is the most essential part of being awake, mm -hmm. being alive, and mastering the breathing has allowed me to master my mind and master my emotions. Because energetically, if someone else has control over your breathing, they have control over your mm -hmm. emotions. And that's a dangerous place to be. Definitely. Um, you know, so please continue. Yeah, of Thank course. You. Um, just with that being said, in terms of mm. in terms of religion, um, just this notion of being a black person, being being robbed of our culture, mm -hmm. being robbed of our, us, being robbed from our land, and damn, forced somewhere else on a new land. I just think I love when people I, are black. You, that's me. <laughs> I, I just it. think that being force fed a religion that was never ours and being forced into so many different ways, our hands being tied and being forced to build a country on our back. I just re really reject this notion of wow. being forced religion to this day in 2020. Absolutely. I don't, Absolutely. I don't agree with it. I just think I'm done with my mind being colonized as a black woman as as Ooh. an American with with, with my rights, I'm wow. done with my mind being colonized. So I gotta I gotta tweet that or Go something. Ahead. My Go God, ahead. that was <laughs> yeah. After this, after, that was wow, wow. You don't you don't know how many nails you hit with one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't know how many people are boxed in and bound in comforted by the box in which they are bound in because that's all they fucking know and in, in a very dark and twisted way 
that that small feeble box that protects people's ego and their idea of their existence mind you energy can't be destroyed so in in whatever religion or experience the connection through spirit is still there Mm -hmm. yes not denouncing that at all like i can still go to church and hear people fucking sing and be brought to tears and like repent in that moment that is still very real that's still very authentic Mm -hmm. as well but we got to be honest about the roots of trees because the root of this tree is fucking wicked a hundred percent wicked so even though that the fruit may be beautiful and for moment momentary times in life we can be provided shade from that tree this is not our tree this is not our home you know the earth is but this man-made religion is not um that wow. was that was powerful. Oof. Color. Oof. Oh my god. This is one for the book. <laughs> that was a gem. So actually let's um let's go into the next question. Um shout out to Twitter for always just being there for it, you know. Oh yeah. Um like I get probably eighty percent of my news information through Twitter. Eighty. Another ten percent from Instagram, and another ten percent for act- from actual communications with other humans. Yeah, I, I would say it's about roughly the same for me, except Facebook is in- interchangeable with Instagram. Oh my god! Yeah, I have a lot of. Um, I have a really good group of people that I'm friends with. They're racist. Well, yeah, no, they I'm are joking. some of them, but they're removed. I've been hearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking about deleting my old Facebook. I mean, the only reason I post on there is so my mom can see that I'm actually alive. <laughs> like, that's the that's the only. She can hear my voice all day, but some she loves to see me dance. You know, she loves to see me create. Every time I post a dance video, she's like, "When I was pregnant with you, I was dancing all the time, <laughs> and that's why you're like this." I'm like, okay. the dancing spirit. 